0: Hey, buddy. It's Andy Richter. Uh, You're listening to The Three Questions. And today I'm going to pose those three questions to uh, Mr. Patton Oswalt, somebody who I have known and loved and enjoyed for uh, many, many years. Um, I mean, too many, really. It's actually, it's getting tired. Yeah, we need to inject some new
1: life into the relationship. Or take a decade off and make it exciting <laughs> again. Let's just not oh, that's know great. each other. And then when we see each other again, oh my God, we'll run at each other at a million miles an hour when we see yeah, each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And
0: then we'll yeah. ex- explode into a million <laughs> glitter bombs.
1: Glitter bombs. How are yes. you? How are uh, you? I'm good. You know, I'm I'm trying to, I got I got COVID last month. I've gone I, over it, but now I'm, and you have it. And I have it, because we were supposed to do
0: this in person. I have never been to the uh, new, brand new shiny <coughs> Conan uh, podcast uh, studio.
1: It's uh, nice. I, well, I was just there because I thought I was supposed to come there today. I so I drove there. Luckily, I got there early, so I was able to race back home and do this in time. But the studios are delightful. I've heard. I've heard. And I was looking
0: forward to it. But then I went and got covid I went go. to I went and got COVID because I just I'm a joiner, everyone else yeah. is doing it, and so I just decided. You <sighs> know,
1: you're, you're, you're like, it. you know what? I'm not going to do TikTok. I'm not going to do TikTok, and then boom, there's your account. <laughs> you're on there. Yep, Ugh.
0: it's how it goes. Mm-hmm.
1: So uh, how was how was your COVID? <laughs> My COVID was frustrating only because, and I think you're going through the same thing. I'm vax and double boosted, so I had to. I was shooting a TV show in Savannah, so I had to isolate in place for one week in a hotel room in mm. Savannah, but I really didn't get any symptoms. So it didn't feel like I was, I didn't even get that cool week of fevers and hallucinations and I could pretend it was apocalypse now. I was just sitting there uh, <laughs> in a hotel watching, room. yeah, in a hotel room watching Euphoria on my iPad. It's not <laughs> the same thing.
0: And then probably exhausting every possible thing on the room service menu
1: too. Oh, well, yeah. Well, no, there was, uh, the hotel I was in was a, uh, no. most hotels don't even have <clears> room <throat> service anymore. They just don't have the staff. So it was a lot of creative um, Instacarting and uh, door dashery. Oh, wow. i trying to stay wow. healthy that way. Yeah, And, no, uh, and it's hard home. to stay. Yeah, you got to be home. I was in a hotel room trying to order an Asahi bowl in the heat <laughs> of Savannah in June. And they would basically, you know, just bring me a milkshake. So I yeah. uh, melted and, oh, boy.
0: How are you? You've been you you uh you're pretty busy all the time, man. I mean you you uh you know you're soaking up all the work, frankly. I-
1: <laughs> That's what I want to talk to you.
0: Leave a little for the rest of us. Yeah, please. Um, come on. Let's do
1: something. <laughs> um I look, I, I like doing stuff. I like creating stuff. So if someone wants to hire me, I'm in. I'm you know, I'm not one of these oh, I don't know if this I just I just work. Oh my, the whole Everything that I do will be sorted out after I'm gone. So for now, I just like to work yeah, and do yeah. things. Yeah, Are you, my, uh, do you still
0: push to do like, you know, like a, a, a show centered around? I mean, I know you did uh, AP. Uh, AP Bio. AP Bio. Is that yeah. is that still going on or is that? No, we
1: got, yeah. uh, miraculously, NBC uh, and Peacock gave us four seasons for a show that Again, critically acclaimed and no one watched. Yeah, but but I've the been fact that some they of those. stuck with it. Well, you are in one of the great all-time um, one-season shows. Andy Barker PI is. Oh, thank you. One of the funniest. It was a, um, you know, I feel like if if Twitter and the internet thing that we have now was more solid, that show would still be on the air because it, every episode was just. Line after funny line after funny line, and oh, it just never found its audience. I my really, god.
0: I really loved that show. That was my favorite of the of the you know swings that I took. Um, and the cast was just so solid. I mean, you know, oh my god, to get to have Tony Hale on a show, and you know, and Harv Presnell, uh, it was just, it was fantastic. You know, H- Harv
1: Presnell, the um, you know the 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 dad, the father in law from Fargo was this great, um, he was like a pre-Alec Baldwin in 30 Rock where he he played everything completely straight. Yeah. Everything he said was so funny and so inappropriate. It just killed me. Every single thing he said killed me. Yeah,
0: show. he was. You know, he was a big musical theater guy. Like there was, I know. Like he's saying, they call the wind Mariah. Like that's <laughs> that was his song in a movie. And you know, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. If you watch like TCM when they're showing uh, the big uh, studio musicals from the forties, there's Harve. Yeah, there there's he is. Harv,
0: Yeah, singing he was away. Really, he was really great. He was. Uh, God, was and so he also fun. he's from he's from the Foster's Farm Chicken Ranch family. Like, wait a minute. Yeah. Wait, the one up on I five when you're driving north on five, and I think what? so. Yeah, like he's it's a big family business, and he had you know, and he would like he, that was like part of when he wasn't acting, he was like going around making sure the chicken business was doing well. So. Well,
1: that was a man. They don't make him like that anymore. <laughs> yeah, and he would he flew himself around.
0: He was a pilot. He would fly himself oh my around. God. And he said they wouldn't, you know, that like when he got to a certain age, they wouldn't let him fly. Solo, I think after a certain mm-hmm. age they don't let you do that. So Correct. he would, he would uh, take his. I think it was a dachshund, and the dachshund would be the co-pilot on the official oh, manifest. That. So, song uh, and dance man
1: running a chicken empire pilot. I mean, come on. Yes, I
0: know he was pretty amazing. The dude's friggin' buckaroo bonsai. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. I know. Well, now um, you're. I mean, you're from pretty macho stock. I mean, wasn't your dad <laughs> well, a, wasn't your well, dad a, 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 Marine?
1: I, my dad was a 20 year Marine, but I, I am from macho stock, but I, I not exhibit macho stock, uh, <laughs> attributes. I was the, uh, I was like, I, I'm mostly, I think I'm all of my dad's recessive genes in one person. <laughs> was basically. your dad,
0: was your dad like a, like a Marine Marine or, you know, was he like no, he was, a bookkeeper
1: I mean, Marine? He was a, he was a test pilot. He, you know, he flew the F4 uh, down at El Toro and was, uh, you know, did, but he was one of those guys who, he did three tours in Vietnam. So anyone who's actually been in war and seen, and he was wounded and, you know, he he was very uh, pacifist, peace loving. anti. Oh, really? Yeah. And and anyone who's actually been in war does, is anti-war. Yeah, you know, it, it's the people that are, have never been in battle that are like, we've got to go and show our manliness. It's like actually, yes. we the, the veterans are the, the actual war veterans are like, you actually don't. You actually <laughs> yeah. you, you need to. How about you stay home and and raise your goddamn yeah. kids? Yeah, and, yeah, you know, Go get an ice cream. That's actually. I
0: nice. I tried it. I did not like it.
1: So yeah. I would it, not and, recommend and, it. And looking at you, I can tell you that you're not going to like it either. <laughs> I always just the
0: notion of of like having to have lived through a draft, which, like, I even have had friends. Like, I had a friend that had dual Greek citizenship, Greek-American citizenship, and oh, had to wow. go back to serve in the Greek army, which he said was, like, summer camp. Like, there were, like, <laughs> there were, like, guys with earrings, you know, like. and Yeah, uh, yeah, they don't but care. But still, I just, like, the notion of having somebody yell at you and make you do push-ups and shit, like, oh, that just sounds – I could ne- – I would not – I just would never. And also, too, like I a couple of times uh, played paintball. The first time was for a a Conan remote. And I and that was, you know, you had this thought in your mind, like, how would I do? You watch movies like how would I do if I were the fish out of water suddenly? in the Yeah, 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 yeah. And I would die.
1: I would die immediately. I I would would be shot in the face. I would freeze up and I would uh, hope that whoever came upon me, would let me go, hey, I surrender, D- no, we don't need to do this. Right. You know, that's yeah. why I think a lot of people, a lot of gun nuts really, you, they go so berserk when, like, like in this Uvald situation where the cops didn't do anything because that's their biggest fear because they always talk about, if I was in a situation yeah. like that, I have my smith- my smith-. But they know that in real life, like my my dad was in Vietnam, he had a machine gun, he had grenades, he had a flamethrower. And if someone heard a shot, the whole platoon would freeze. They wouldn't yeah. go, let's run towards the shooting. <laughs> right, they'd freeze right, for right. a second. Right. And, and these people are, you know, they have the weapons of war and they freeze up. So there's that weird, you know, wish fulfillment that in real life, they're actually worried that they'd freeze up too, which is why I think when a cop or security guard doesn't run in, they really skin that person alive. Yeah. Because yeah. that's their biggest nightmare.
0: Yeah. Well, and it, it also does, it, like you said, it kind of also lays bare the fact that, no, more guns won't help. Like, any one of those situations, like, if if there's a mall shooting and everybody in the mall has a gun, oh, my God, that just, like, how on the face of that you can't (laughs) see, like, that's a terrible idea. That's just a terrible idea. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Can't you tell my loves are growing. So, well, did you feel pressure growing up as a marine kid?
1: No, not really, because again, my dad was very anti-war. So when he saw yeah. me going into entertainment, he's like, good, good oh, choice. Good. Don't go do what I did. He had a really interesting perspective on. I remember I was really down on George W. Bush because I'm like, he's a draft dodger. You know, but now he's sending kids into Iraq. And my dad's like, okay, time out. The fact that he's a draft dodger, that's a good thing. The fact that he was smart <laughs> enough to know to stay out of the Vietnam War, that is actually in his plus column. The only minus is that he knew to stay out of the war, but he would also think he'd extend that to go, let's keep these kids yes. out of the war. Right, you know what right, I mean? Right. Yeah, but he goes, yeah. calling someone a draft dodger um is not an insult. That should be a in their plus column. He goes, if I had not if I had been smart enough to find a way out of Vietnam, I would have taken it. Yeah. I just couldn't figure out how to get out of it. Was he
0: gung ho when he went in? I mean, he obviously. Yeah, he went, was in ROC. Was he, a Marine, he, you know. Yeah, like, he
1: joined the Marines, and then you know, so he wasn't drafted. He was already in the Marines and was sent over there. Oh, I see. And when he initially went over there, he, you know, I have cassette tapes of you know reel to reel letters he would record home to his parents, and where two things are going on. One, he's lying uh, because he's actually on the front lines, but he's trying to make his mom and dad feel better I was like i'm uh, in the rear with the gear nothing's going on you can hear explosions behind him but he's like they're wow. testing some artillery like he's just trying to reassure them but he's also you know he's it's his first year in vietnam he's like i think what we're doing here is a good thing and it wasn't until later that he was like what the hell was that you know yeah so you see the um you know you, you see the evolution there kind yeah of interesting
0: well, that's, I, that's pretty cool that he, you know, were, were there other kids that you grew up with, other military kids who you think that they were sort of receiving the same encouragement or
1: disencouragement? Uh, n- not really, although- uh, Yeah, he was unique. And I also, when I was in college, my roommate was in ROTC. That was the way he was paying for his college. So, you know, they, so I would hang out with a lot of the ROTC people. So seeing their perspective where it's like, this was my only way out of my hometown. Mm-hmm. Um, but because of that, because I was put in such a box, um, I hope that there, it, they were all very anti-war. None of them were like, yeah, let's get in Iraq and kick ass. Because they're like, wait a minute. I'm already getting up at five every morning and breaking my back to yeah. do this and then taking a full load of school. I don't want the reward at the end of this to be that to sent, be sent in the desert to kill people. Right, right. Because that's not what I want to do. So that was also really interesting. There's a lot of um, – uh you, you know, it depends on the perspective of it and now. Sadly, there are people who join the join the armed forces that are kind of messed up. And like you saw the people that were at Abu Ghraib where they, they got off on the sadism and the cruelty, and that's what they were hoping to do. But I think that those are the exceptions that prove the rule. Yeah. I, I hope that's not true. I hope those are the exceptions that prove the rule. Right.
0: Right. Well, we you I mean, um, you know, you have, uh, and I, I mean, it's sort of your persona as nerd, you know? And I mean, did you, is that what you were as a kid? Like, were you, you know?
1: I mean, I was just enthusiastic about things. If there's something I liked, I wanted to know everything about it. Yeah. So it, yeah. I mean, I, I got very much into films. I got very much into literature and music, but that's, I don't really fault like sports f- fans, uh, because it's no different than what I do right. with my enthusiasm. The fact that they know every single draft picked, every draft prospect. This guy went to this university, he's here and they're you know, no different than me going, Well, I mean, if they do a spin-off movie, if they, they should do a Colleen Wing and a Misty Night movie from Daredevil, because those two like it's <laughs> there's no difference. Right, right. Well, know? and that's
0: the thing, is that like it's the sports guys that are making fun of like I to me it's always been hilarious that guys that make fun of, say, like people that go see a Star Wars movie and dress up as their, that do cosplay to go there. Those same guys, they're all macho. will put on little uniforms. Yeah. the go to the a w- bar to watch their game. Like I'm the, dressed up yeah. like my
1: favorite. That's you know? my favorite. And I have his shirt
0: on. Yeah. I'm like him. I'm like him. I want to uh, be like daddy,
1: you know? Yeah. And, and these guys that like, again, don't, why would you fault anyone for having their enthusiasms if if there are people that are into stamps or watching trains, you have something you like if that gets you through life then good yeah. as long as you're not hurting anyone else, I don't care right right you know or if you're gonna if you're gonna be like crazy sports like soccer thugs, just beat each other up don't beat up innocent bystanders, beat yeah. up other crazy sports fans and keep it within yourselves That's fine
0: do you feel because you know you are? I mean, you are such an ardent fan of genre stuff, you know, of yeah, like yeah. you know, uh, of, of all different kinds of genre stuff. Do you feel pressure, like, to have to keep up on everything? Like, if there's some Marvel show that you just don't care about, the people- uh, no,
1: I, I've long ago kind of stopped the whole. All right, I gotta check this shit off. I, but I, you know, I do follow things enthusiastically because I genuinely like them. But I've also, I've passed the phase where I'm like. Well, I started this series. I got to finish it. Like if I start a series and it doesn't go anywhere, I'm just like, yeah, I stopped. I don't care. Yeah, yeah. You know. So there's there's Marvel. Th- there's Marvel things I haven't seen. There's Star Wars stuff I haven't seen. You know, I like the stuff that I like, but I'm not going to. I'm not, I'm not a completist. I think completism is outside of enthusiasm, and you end up kind of not living a life after a while.
0: It yeah, it becomes like a mania or something. You know. Yeah, and it know, just,
1: and it replaces a life. Yeah. Yes. And, yeah, yeah. And, and now you're not enjoying it anymore.
0: Right, right. And also I feel that way. Like my big thing with it is always like that kind of gatekeeper feeling of, uh, you know, like I, you know, like that somebody's got to be, uh, you know, like I'm, I'm good. This didn't end the way I wanted. And so I'm mad because they owe it to me because I just sort of feel like, The things that I love, like something like, like, say, like, Better Call Saul. I'm just so happy that Better Call Saul exists. Me too. I'm just so happy that, like, hey, it's your thing, man. I'm just, I'm getting so much from this. And even something as as kind of, you know, I I mean, Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones is silly. Game of Thrones from the beginning was just, like, titties and butts and dragons. (laughs) And and it's like, and you know, and then everybody got into it. Cause I started watching it from the beginning and I felt ashamed. Like I felt like I was like, I shouldn't even mention this. And then it, it became so huge. And like when it ended, people are angry. And I'm just like, Hey, what the fuck, man? They gave you like however, five seasons of dragons and titties. Like, what do you want?
1: Yeah. And also keep in mind the stuff that doesn't, um, end or uh, rise to your level of what you believe things are, then go make something better. And in fact, a a lot of the stuff that Quentin Quentin Tarantino has done film-wise was based on movies that he saw that he thought they didn't take it the place I wanted to. So Mm -hmm. I just went and wrote my own. I just went and wrote my own scenes and those became movies. So go, and Star Wars started from George Lucas watching Flash Gordon stuff growing up and going, this is good, but couldn't they have also done this? So then he went, and did it.
0: Yeah, so yeah, yeah.
1: Go do a better thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, I Ugh. agree. And also, just you know, and don't be. It's just the, the babiness of it. Like I want my. And, my, my. And
1: also, the also the weird like when you say gatekeeper, I also thought you were talking about. And this is another big problem of it is the um. Oh, you you're oh you're into this now like oh just, right yeah, yeah. yeah you know what I've got other shit I'm doing the yeah. art will always be waiting for you I you right. know I. Didn't hear what all these people that are going getting down on people for it, suddenly getting into Kate Bush because of Stranger Thing. Why are you mad that a new generation's discovering her? Right, we right. You don't own her. Yeah, Let people you, did, discover you didn't it. Hear,
0: You didn't hear her in the womb. You didn't come out <laughs> knowing Kate Bush. At some point, Kate Bush was new information to you. So fucking relax. Yeah, I and I one thing I I remember. After Trump got elected, you said, and it might have been on Twitter, it might have been in an interview, Mm -hmm. you said something about, like, you sort of addressed fandom and said something to the effect of, hey, fandom, maybe we should be paying more attention to the stuff that really matters out (laughs) in the world.
1: Do do you you remember saying that? I can't remember. I mean, I, I did remember thinking that I was guilty of letting my these other realms that I dwell in uh, replaced the real world for me. And and what what seemed like a lot of minor silly stuff ended up being really, really crucial. And especially we're seeing that now with the midterms coming up and realizing, oh my God, the office of third circuit court judge is actually kind of crucial because right. that's how they're going to throw elections. They're like, oh shit, I didn't see this massive plan because it didn't have lasers and, and ninja swords <laughs> and Kung Fu. So it c- didn't keep my stupid attention. Yeah. Yeah. I, I forgot if I said, I mean, look, a lot of people were just November 5th, t- 2016 was a rude awakening for a yeah. lot of people, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Of uh, Hey, maybe let's not um, joke about America. will never do. No. America is clearly capable of anything. Yes. Yes. Let's not discount anything anymore. Yeah, yeah, and you
0: know, and like, sort of, our innate goodness is like, "Eh, I don't know, maybe it's not so innate anymore, and maybe also, (sighs) maybe our innate goodness was always pretty fucking tarnished with all kinds of ugly, ugly stuff that we, you know, it was just convenient for us to sort of go, well, yeah, sure, we're racist and sexist and all that, but we're really a shining city on the hill. Like, yeah, that was built by slaves,
1: you know. In my in my 20s, I was such a douchebag. I was so confused and I was so competitive and insecure and and uh, also, consequently, in denial about what I was and and trying to act like I was one of the good guys, whereas in reality, I had a lot of problems. And then I went into therapy and really looked at and faced and embraced a lot of the shit that I was so that I could then move. I didn't ever, I didn't really become successful and happy until I looked at all of my shittiness and went, oh, okay, that's who you are. Own that and start fixing it. But we have, our country is in that phase right now of, we have always been amazing. We have never done anything wrong and we are not going to talk about it. And the, the fact that like they, they, there, I, I believe in the Texas School Board wants to get rid of the word slavery in history books. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: That is fucking psychotic. Yeah. You know, in, in Germany, there are museums that show you the fucking Nazi horrors and kids growing up look at that and go, we're capable of this. Mm-hmm. But knowing that we're capable of this is what will stop us from doing this shit again. Yeah. And a you lot know? of those kids are going,
0: my grandpa did that. Yes. You know? <laughs> and so it's like, yeah, and I, it's it to me, the thing that strikes me about that kind of attitude is it's just so childish. It's putting your fingers oh in your God. ears and going la 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 la. Yeah. And and it also it just America Love It or Leave It has always struck me as like saying Ugh. my mom, love her or leave her. And it's like, you know your mom. You love yeah. your mom, sure but your mom is not perfect. Like, no, I won't no, let my no mom drive my kids in the car. You know <laughs> no, what I mean? No, 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 no. So yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. and that doesn't mean that I don't love my mom, but it does mean my mom can be a very reckless, dangerous individual. <laughs> yes, exactly. And that is the total picture of her. So yeah. to say, oh, well, you know, oh, you don't like this country? It's like, yeah, sometimes it's, it sure doesn't seem great. You know, January 6th, that sure didn't seem great. Not good. You know? Yeah. yeah.
1: So um it's it's scary.
0: When did you did you start to find that your own ability to be funny was like it it came out of the basis of like coping mechanisms for all of this kind of stuff or like kind you know adjusting although, socially and
1: you know it was weird my ability to be funny came out of the same enthusiasm that I had for horror, science fiction, comic books. I was a big fan of comedy before I even thought of becoming one. I just loved every aspect of it. And so I wasn't the class clown. I was in a clique of clowns. I was in the clique of nerds who loved every form of comedy that could recite Monty Python, that could recite, you know, every George Carlin album, uh, SNL, you know, SCTV, all that stuff. Um, We were, it was that enthusiasm and it was that way of going the... Knowing comedy and and starting to write my own jokes seems to make life way better and way more fun. Like having that faculty. So I learned very early on. It wasn't from any like, oh my God, I'm being bullied or my life is so horrible. Because I was, I was certainly not in the A, A crowd, but I had friends and I had friends yeah. that I liked. And I wasn't like, God, why won't the footballers let me hang out with him? Like I didn't want to... Right. I didn't hate them, but I'm like, what am I going to talk to them about? And why would I inflict myself on them? I had my group that we all liked the same stuff, so I was happy. I wasn't, like, yeah. going to school, like, I'm so alone. Like, no, I was I was with my other nerd friends. So it came um, more about, I love this. Now I want to know every single thing about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know?
0: And when did you start to, because you didn't start out, like, say, like, college. You didn't start out thinking, I'm going to go be a comedian or an no. actor. Yeah. yeah,
1: I mean, it was. I started off. I don't know if you had the same experience. Between my freshman and sophomore year of college, in my mind, I was going to be a writer. I think, but I think in freshman between that summer was like, oh, I'm going to graduate in three years. I better figure out what to do with my life. Like, I don't. I have no job. I have no vocation. Like, what am I going to do? And that was that summer. where I did a lot of different jobs. Like, I tried all these different things. And um, I mean, I was studying to be a paralegal. I was a wedding DJ on the weekends, I was writing I was doing writing sports for a local newspaper covering sports. Oh wow. Um, just doing everything. And then This um, all in
0: Virginia, right?
1: All in Northern Virginia. Yeah. And then uh and then I started doing open mics because again, I was still really into comedy and I was what and that was this is in like 88. So in 88, there's there was comedy on TV all of the time. There were just yeah. showcases constantly. And it looked really fun. And the people that I was watching that I really, really liked at the time, people like Bobcat Goldthwaite and, um, you know, Robin Williams, of course, mm-hmm. uh, that were on TV, Jake Johansson and stuff. I was like, oh, I just love this stuff. And so I went to downtown DC and uh, did an open mic. And wow. And it was the one thing that I did where there was no immediate reward. The audience really didn't laugh. One, I, I Like, a couple of comedians were like, gave me the, that ah, was good, like, uh, ah, you know, like. Um, uh, but it was the thing that I'm like, I want to keep showing up and doing this. Because I loved the life. What, waiting to go on stage, watching comedians hang out, trade jokes, create together out of thin air, after a day of whatever they're doing, and now I'm like, this is the life I want. Before Mm. I'm even successful at it, I love this hang. I love these hours. I love this rhythm. This is the life I want. Start clean with Clorox
0: because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... You tell my loves are growing? What is the writing process before that first that first thing? Like, what do you do? Because I you know, there I don't know how you feel, but I've heard I've sat next to people saying, like, friends just pushed me up there and I did it, you know. <laughs> t- and I always feel like, no, you fucking didn't. You know, yeah, like yeah. you
1: you prepared. Um, oh, I are you kidding? I absolutely prepared. Um, I would write out things, um, trying to make it sound conversational. Uh, yeah. Like, you know, instead of like punchline, I didn't understand, really didn't get, didn't have like punchline oriented stuff. I just wanted to talk and try to be funny that way. But early on, I was still was like, I got to put punchlines in here. Um, so it would be very, I just remember that first year was like, it was like conversation. And then you could feel the gear grinding as I then tried to drop the punchline in. And yeah, it, oh, it yeah. was just miserable. Yeah. And then, um, and but it just, it came from, It's the same thing as someone says, how do I become a writer? Just start writing. But but write what? Doesn't matter. Just start writing. Well, I'm not going to write until like, like, people that are like, wait, like I'll do, I I just, I've I've met people that want to become stand-ups. They're like, but how did you get on Netflix? I'm like, well, I've been doing it for 30 years. Yeah, Yeah. but when I start, like when I start doing it, I want, how do Netflix people come and see me? I'm like, don't even think about that right now. Whatever you're going to be doing won't happen for another 10 years down the road and this won't matter. And you can see those people that are so, they're like test oriented. They're still in college. They're like, what are the things I need to do to Mm -hmm. get the A? And then it's like, there is no, there, it it is all up to you. It is not going to just, you know, and and those people, I always sense like they're going to be doomed because they're like, I'll do comedy when I am on TV and I'm getting money for it. I'm like, then you're not going to do comedy. Right, right. You you have to like doing this for nothing.
0: You're prioritizing sort of, I mean, it's, yeah, it's nice to get paid to do this, but the odds of you getting paid to do it are so slim that you need to find, you need to find the joy in the doing of the thing, which for me, like for me was improv. And I used to do improv with guys that would, you know, we like, there was one group I was with. that was like a really fucking, you know, murderously talented group of like improv killers Mm-hmm. that kind of you know like a couple of guys were sort of in with the guy that that owned the space there was like these italian brothers that right. owned the space in this italian restaurant what city and was this in this is in chicago oh. and uh, and after about i don't know it'd been about 6 months or something these guys just all of a sudden were like all right we're we're rapping this we're killing this group because we said at the beginning, if in six months we didn't have agents coming and doing the shows, then it would be over. And, and I was like, I was, and it went around and it was still like just such wishy-washy, like guys like, okay, well, if everybody doesn't want to do it. And then it got to me and I was like. I know. I do not know. I never remember anybody yeah. saying, "If we don't get agents in here yeah, in six in months. months, I was like, and I said, and what? What? I don't have anything else to do. Like this is really yeah. fun. I this really isn't... like this. Like, why would we end this?
1: Yeah. What is this like a George Eliot novel? Your hand is promised in marriage. A year, <laughs> right? From now, right? So you right? Must find work. Like, yeah. And, and what I don't kind have of
0: fairy any... tale shit. Is that? any terminal illness that i'm worrying about like as far as i know i you know i'm 22 and i've got some time to fuck around
1: yeah and 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 that's go ahead sorry
0: well the whole thing just kind of ended up where everyone's like okay yeah yeah all right yeah let's keep doing it and the the two guys that were you know like had said we're gonna end it kind of ended it you know like we ended up having to go get another another venue and yeah, and, you know, the, and it was like, none of us were good at getting venues. We were just doing good at
1: doing improv shows. Are those you know? two guys in the business? Are they successful? Uh, one of
0: them has passed away and mm-hmm. uh, one of them, yes, but one of them still acts and, I, oh. you know, and is moderately successful. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, it just,
1: it, the, I, I think that one thing uh, that I wish someone had taught me early on, and I try to impress this upon if anyone ever asked me for advice is, you are not going to believe the ups and downs in your career. And if you think this, if you think your career has to be a steady climb upward, or you have somehow failed, then you are not going to make it. You're going to have, I cannot tell you the amount of pilots that I've shot that went nowhere. uh, Movies I was hired for TV shows. I was hired for that. I was then replaced in, um, you know, huge opportunities that went nowhere or were taken away or things changed that, a lot I've seen a lot of other people go I've been doing stand-up. then I got a spot on um letterman now I, I I auditioned for this uh sitcom I didn't get the audition fuck it I quit it's done like it's over for me. I'm like no you it's going to be it's not going to be a steady climb yeah you know and there's also people that like I was on a I had my own show for two years and now you don't it's yeah. up and down there's no like you can't that th- that that expectation of steady growth I think ruins more. Um, talented people um, than anything else. is Yeah. Each year has got to outdo the last. It's like, no, it will not happen that way. Right. There will be some years where you're just not really doing anything and you're just not, it's not clicking for you. You just have to keep, you have to keep at it because you actually like doing it whether you're successful or not.
0: Right. And do you think that's why you were able to absorb all that rejection? Because it is true. I mean, it's just, you are rejected. I mean, I'd say 50 50 to one is probably... Yeah, uh, it's probably conserved. Easily. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: I remember there, there was a, a time, um, I'm not going to name names, but it was a, at a comedy show. A bunch of us during the alt times and a, a comedian went on stage and they raged about how I wrote this pilot and uh, I shot the script around and everyone said they loved it and no one bought it. Like, what the fuck? And you could see all the other comedians in the room with... Not, you know, thinking of it, but not saying it, going, then write something else. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, welcome to the club. We've all, I could show you a crate full of shit I've written that will never get made, that you you write something else, right? Their whole thing was, I wrote it, everyone said it was good, and and then they didn't do it, so I, so fuck this business. I'm like, yeah, you don't understand how the business (laughs) works. Yeah, right, right, right. You absolutely do not understand how this works.
0: And also the whole notion of something working or not working—it's like it—it's always <laughs> has some kind of alchemy. There's always some kind of magic because that you cannot you and you can never predict how it'll go. No, because there's absolute Ever. shit that gets huge. You know, there's like there's like really shitty stuff that gets gigantic, and you're like, okay, you know, I, there's a there's a flavor for everybody, and then there's like really fantastic stuff that like you said you know gets its opportunity to be on on the air it's in there in front of people it's arguable whether or not it's handled well because that is something that can mm-hmm. damn something is is the lack of you know participation by the people that are actually hosting the place yeah, that you yeah. see it um but it, you know it's like you you never know you never know and and, cannot... and to think that you do is It's it's setting yourself up for disappointment. Tell you,
1: all through the '90s, the '90s was the golden age of amazing, weird shows being done in black box theaters, where HBO execs, Comedy Central execs, are in that audience watching it, watching it kill, and it fucking goes nowhere. Yeah, fucking goes nowhere. I remember, I think I saw you in a thing, um, if I'm not mistaken, called "Not Without My Nipples." Were you in that? Yes. Yes. Which was a brilliant takedown of like Lifetime TV movies, and then just. Showbiz in general, and mm-hmm. it was just phantasmagorical, genuinely Brit with really funny songs. I'll be yeah. your beard. I like yeah, when yeah. you lick me down there, all that stuff, and it just nothing happened with yeah. it. Yeah, but, but I actually, like, I
0: actually wasn't in that, but it was all the people that I worked with. Yeah, so. I, for
1: some reason I remember. I, I know Janine was in it, and um, my ex-wife yeah, but, was in it. Yeah, so oh, and, okay, uh, yeah, so maybe yeah. I saw you at one of the things, and I it's probably just, was
0: there, but at the time I was doing Cabin Boy. At the time that they were doing wow. that, I was doing Cabin Boy, so I had, you know, I was, you know, I was. That was my big entree into the film you business, know. you know. Yep. And then after but, it was over, I was, I was applying for a job at an assistant as an assistant manager of a movie theater, and terrified that Cabin Boy would show there while I was behind the popcorn counter. Yeah,
1: you, you can't like like the if you have to love doing this first. Everything else has to be secondary. If you yeah. are in this for the, if you're in this for the medallions and the badges and the, um, you know, the certificates of achievement, then yeah. you're going to go crazy. Yeah, you yeah, will yeah. go fucking crazy. Yeah, I, I, Paddy Chayefsky said in
0: that there's that famous, you know, conversations with screenwriters book, and he said, you know, that the desire for fame and money is perfectly okay for young people but you know and it's like if that's going to be your engine when you're young that's good but it will it if you if that's what's going to if that's your your that's going to be your engine throughout the whole trip it's you're going to you're going to be fucking bummed out
1: mm-hmm. you know and and you will go it's why i think so many stars um and this happens in sports as well i think they go crazy because they keep, they hit some crazy plateau and then they are determined, this must, I must now rise above this plateau. And it's like, no, there's going to be ups and downs and they cannot handle that. And it drives them crazy. And that's yeah. why every, it's like, it feels like every year one um, hero, one icon goes crazy because they have been driven by what you just said constant yeah. growth, constant ascension rather than the, the ups and downs, the, oh my God, it's this like, there, I mean, there have been times when I'm like, am I, I guess I'm done. I feel th- yeah. like there was a, a couple, especially a couple of years, Uh, like five years ago, I was in a Broadway play that, that then folded and then I sort of got the blame for it, even though it wasn't my fault, but it was, and then I was about to leave New York, but then I got cast in a sitcom with Matthew Broderick and then, um, we did a whole week of rehearsals and then I got fired from that. And then I asked, like, I go, I told the producer, I'm like, hey, you'll please keep this out of the press because I've had a miserable month. And he goes, Don't even worry about it. And then I flew the back to LA. Day. And when I landed, <laughs> when I landed, it was a message on my phone going, Patton, I'm so sorry. And and the thing in variety was like, you know, strike two for Oswald. Like Oh. My God. <clears throat> and for a year it was just like nothing. Wow. And I and for a year I was like Fuck all of this! I'm just gonna go do the goddamn road. I'm gonna be a fucking comedian. Like yeah. like it, it. Just fuck this, you know. And yeah, yeah. And and it was the not. So you know, yes, obviously I'm prey to that stuff. But people that that think the whole world, the nobody was against me. I wasn't anyone's target. It's just how fucking shit fell. Mm-hmm. You you ultimately don't matter in any of this. And once you once you embrace that, you can go forever.
0: Yeah. How do you how do you divorce yourself from the rejection? You know, like because you know there's no product. You're not the product that you're selling I,
1: is yourself. You yeah, know? but you know what? Here's how I divorce myself from the rejection. I remember a great interview. I've always remembered this, and there's and actually two genuine great interviews. One with Charlton Heston, where they were asking him about, you know, you were offered. Cool Hand Luke. You were offered Butch Cassidy, the Sundance Kid. Like, do you ever kick yourself or not? Because he turned those down, and he's like, "No, the reason those movies worked was because they got Paul Newman. It wouldn't yeah. have worked with me. That would have actually hurt my career. If you're if you're rejected for something, it's probably for a good reason. Mm. It's probably you know. And um, there was another interview with with Will Smith where he famously, the Wachowski brothers pitched him The Matrix and pitched it to him very badly. And he goes, I didn't get it. And I politely turned them down and I went and did Wild Wild West instead. And he's <laughs> and he goes, the 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 Saturday after Wild Wild West came out, I remember walking around in malls, like well, people going, I'm really sorry. We're working on bad boys too right now. It's gonna be okay. Sorry about this. Like having kind of a funny sense of humor about it. But also he said, um, and you can, and you're welcome because if I had been in the, they wanted me as Neo and Val Kilmer as Morpheus. Mm. And if he and I had done it, I don't think the movie would have been successful and there wouldn't have been the sequels. And it was, that's how it was meant to go. Yeah. Yeah. So now yeah. I, now I really look at it like, oh, if I missed that thing, it was for a reason.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, that's, I, you know, I can't imagine Charlton Heston is cool
1: <laughs> Luke, and Luke. And, and I think Charlton awful. Heston was even saying, he was even saying, and, and this is this is a really amazing thing of self-knowledge. Self-awareness, yeah. Self-aware. He, he was like, I know what I look like. He 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 looked like a god. I mean, he didn't look like the kind of guy that Struther Martin could break his spirit. Mm-hmm. You know, he he goes, It's not my fault that I look like this. I look like a demigod. It's just how yeah, I fucking yeah. look. I'm meant to play. Saviors and indestructible, you know, killing machines. I'm not this, you know, kind of not self confident gunslinger or yeah, morally right. conflicted prisoner. You just right. don't buy it. Right, right. You know? So Whereas, um like,
0: Yeah, Paul Newman is this charming, pretty little thing. Because he was but, a but tiny you know, little
1: man. He was you know? tiny, but you could also see him like, Oh, he's actually kinda getting by on some charm and bullshit, which is yeah. why he was so lovable because you yeah. he really he, he he had that vulnerability of Oh, no, I know I look, I know I'm really handsome, but I'm actually kind of full of shit. And I'm trying my best to keep that covered. And it's kind of great, you know? God, he was such a brilliant actor. God damn, was he good. Yeah, he was really fantastic. Yeah. I mean, especially like people forget how good he was at playing characters that are full of shit and are completely overcompensating and really connected with people that are going, oh, God, I I think I kind of do that half the time. Mm -hmm. You know, I wish I was that good looking while I did it. Cause he was also, I remember um, I was, I, years ago, I was going out with this girl and, and, and I was really, you know, I love classic movies and she doesn't. And, and I think she was taking a plane somewhere. She goes, should I watch something on the plane? I'm like, watch HUD. She was like, what? She goes, watch HUD. I think HUD's right now on like, you know, they have those classic movies Yeah, she'd never seen HUD. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. And then she like texted me when she landed, she was like, oh, my fucking God, why didn't anyone tell me that yeah. this guy, like, she had no idea how redonkulously sexy that dude was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And playing an evil, full-of-shit character. Right, right. Yeah, no, yeah. he was like,
0: yeah, it's like, you know, Bill Murray got away with that for years and years. yeah. Like, just yeah. playing, like, you know, or Ferris Bueller, like, one might... I watched Ferris Bueller with my daughter, you know, a few years ago, and I was like, Ferris Bueller's a fucking psychopath.
1: I watched he's it with my daughter two awful. a few years ago, and she's like, he's mean. I, this yeah, guy's she hated him. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, that
0: we just aren't as charmed by that. But no, it's like not anymore. The lovable, I don't give a fuck white guy. Mm-hmm. It's just like, yeah, it's not so much fun anymore.
1: Oh, by the way, there's another quote I got at, um, uh I was at a party. This was years ago. Someone's birthday party. This is decades. This is like in the nineties at the Brass Monkey in Koreatown. It was someone's having a party and they're having a karaoke mm-hmm. party. So karaoke all party, the comedians yeah. yeah, all the comedians are there. Everyone's hanging out. And Karatop was there. Everyone knows Caratop. His real name is Scott Thompson, nicest guy on the planet. Mm-hmm. He's great. And so he's hanging out and and I think I and a couple other people were were hanging out with him, talking, and these couple of like classic Silver Lake hipsters came up to him. You can tell that they had been like commiserating in the corner like dude go do it go do it go do it yeah 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 and they walked to like hey so oh uh, like we're, we're watching that movie you, you were in like chairman of the board he goes oh yeah yeah he's yeah like wow why, why, why'd you make that piece of shit you're like like and then carrot top went why were you watching it like <laughs> i they paid me to do it you yeah, wasted all yeah, yeah. what the hell is wrong with you because goes like yeah, I mean, yeah, it was... Okay, okay. and like he just, like, scattered away. Like, it was... That's what... It, whenever someone goes, why are you in that piece of shit? I'm like,
0: why did you watch
1: it? Yeah, yeah. You should not watch my that job. It's terrible. Yeah. <laughs>
0: it's like nobody says to a plumber, like, why'd you fix that sink? You <laughs> that know? That thing was full of shit. And you put your arm <laughs> in it. Yeah, What's I What's with t- you? Right, yeah. right, That's what I that's do. That's how I get yeah. money, you dumb yeah. dumb. Yeah. <laughs> now, you have... You do have... I mean, and, and you know, and all, a lot of... Y- when you when things were rough, you can hit the road. You can yes, go out I can as go a do comedian. Stand-up. And did you find as you kind of started to get more work as an actor, like that that split? Like, did you always want to keep that? You know, your fingers in both of those, yes. or was there ever a point where you're like, you know, if I can just act, I'm just going to act.
1: No, no, I I and I I remember, I can remember pretty distinctly a couple of comedians who I could tell early on they are in in comedy to get out of comedy this is a way to get out of it I do movies and tv shows so I can increase my profile and do more stand-up like my ultimate goal is to keep doing stand-up I'm very fortunate in that you know I I just get I've been offered things I've, I've been in sometimes I've just been in the right place at the right time um I walked off stage at the Largo one time and walked into the kitchen and Paul timer Sanderson was standing there. He goes, shooting a movie. You want to be in it? I'm like, yeah. And then he goes, I'll call you tomorrow. And then, I've that, then I was in Magnolia because I was yeah, just yeah. like, you know, <clears throat> that kind of thing. So, you know, I, I like the business. I like doing creative things. And I like working with new people. This new movie I have coming up is a pretty much a first-time director. It's his second film. But I just love when someone goes, I got this project. It's so friggin' weird. I don't know how if it's going to work. I'm like, oh, please let me read that. Like cause that's because I'm a movie buff of that from that time, especially the early 70s, where it was like, we're gonna go shoot this thing. Don't know if it's gonna work. Let's give it a war. Like mm-hmm. that kind of attitude I love. I love that kind of movie making. I love that kind of TV. Especially now. Now right now television is the way movies were in the early seventies of the, the the heads of networks have openly just gone, I don't I don't know. Like yeah, yeah we'll sure. try it. I don't why not? Yeah. And it's All right, great. Go it's ahead. like this, yeah. yeah, let's let's see what happens. Yeah, that's
0: good. It is good. What what is is there something, you know, like the juice that you get from like what the the, the and by juice I mean like the thing, like the thing that hooks you in. Is there what describe the different <laughs> juice you get from acting and the different and, as opposed to the one you get from stand up? Like which well, why do the two things question. have their yeah. hook
1: into, into you? Because with acting you are surprising yourself and surprising another creator by interpreting something that they wrote and you know that they had a way that it sounded and looked in their mind and then you are bringing something so totally alien to it. But trying your best to interpret what you think is on the page but when you see their, star, sometimes their delight and surprise it, oh, I didn't see it working that way but that actually yeah. was better. Like, so it, it it is a very much a, collaborative process Um, or the other kind of juice you get from that is I'll try it one way and they'll go, try it this other way in a way that you normally wouldn't do it. And you'll find a whole other aspect of yourself that was in the words that was in you. that You didn't realize it was there, but it's there when you're in action with other people, with your, with your scene mate, with a director, with a writer, other parts of you will come out of it, which is that every aspect of that is thrilling. You know, like when you're in a, you'll have the scene one way in your head You'll get into the scene with someone and they'll give you something that you weren't expecting. And then you it something totally new comes out of you. And it's amazing. And I love that. Yeah. So there's that with stand-up, the thrill for me is, is you create something out of absolutely nothing. There is nothing there but the tiniest idea. I think this might be funny. Maybe there's something to be gotten there. And then you slowly overnight, you build it. There's that great sequence in. Jerry Seinfeld's documentary Comedian where he has that bit about think tanks and, like, how do people get fired from a think tank? And he, in the documentary, he shows himself on stage, successive nights, just not delivering. He doesn't have it. He doesn't, he hasn't cracked it. Mm -hmm. And then they show him sitting with Colin Quinn and George Wallace, and George Wallace gives him the nugget that cracks the bit, and then he's Mm. got it. But it came out of nothing. So- it's almost it's almost anti collaboration in a weird way. You yeah, have yeah. to crack open a puzzle that is in your head. It's there. You just have to unlock it somehow.
0: Right, right. And it's I like just that love amazing it. that amazing footage of Paul McCartney writing oh back my god in that out of thin
1: fucking air yeah, yeah, yeah isn't it weird watching that scene and you're you're watching going jojo you know tucson arizona dude like yeah yeah because yeah. you already know the yeah. song in your head and he's not there yet
2: yeah yeah oh my and you god
1: see,
0: and you see george harrison and ringo star sitting there looking at him and they know like oh wow oh, here okay. we go something's yeah got, we're something's seeing happening. like yes you know there is well, gold coming th- out.
1: That's the same thing with the Seinfeld bit. He's like going. He's sitting at that. He's at, he's at the. He's at the Olive Tree, after doing and again the bit has not worked. And he's like, "How sad like, that man needs to go to better restaurants." He really <laughs> not the Olive Garden. Tr- no, okay,
0: never mind. I'm the sorry. Olive Tree. You I'm girl. sorry. He's had um, a rich. Why would he go to the Olive
1: Garden? <laughs> well, it, in his defense, he had purchased the one that he was in. So he so he was, <laughs> I um, love the breadsticks. I love but, them. It's bottomless. They're never going away. Um, and he's sitting there. She's so like, someone, like people get fired from think tanks. Like, how does that happen? And you could tell, like, he knows there's a bit there. And then George Wallace just like tosses off, like the the guy getting fired. He's like, look, Frank, sometimes you don't think. And then, and you see Seinfeld's fate. Like the whole thing just lights yeah. up in his head. Like he suddenly has the entire bit. And it's, yeah, yeah. it's such a great moment.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's always fun when somebody can give you, like, a little nudge that way. It's Yeah.
1: And he isn't even, and George isn't even going, do the bit this way. He's just like, oh, I'm just riffing out, like, let's see where this goes. And and he unlocks it for him. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Has
0: it been hard, like, you know, you've been through some really tough times. I mean, you you lost your first wife, passed away. Has it been hard, like... Is it hard to do comedy in those times, like in rough times in your life? Is it hard to go out and say like, OK, here comes the funny guy going to make everybody be funny?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I know that people have been able to go up during some pretty horrible dark times and be funny because yeah. of the darkness. Richard Pryor, very famously, Dana Gould was amazing at that. Tig very famously went up right of her cancer diagnosis. Um, I'm not one of those people. It took me a few months after Michelle passed away. And even then I was just tentatively going on stage and getting no laughs and just getting back into the rhythm of being on stage again, because it was such an alien aspect, you know, and it took me a whole other year to even get, you know, feeling like I belonged. because, because in my mind, I was like, what fucking right do I have? It was, it was a lot of talks with my therapist about that, about, you know, how do I get back up doing this? But it's like, what else am I supposed to do? It's what I do in the world. Yeah, It is what I do. And, you know, my my late wife was a, uh, a, a an amazing investigative journalist. If I had passed away, I certainly would never want her going, I will never write another word again. I'm like, no, yeah, I, yeah. the thing that I love, I want you to keep existing as the person I loved. I don't want to, it's bad enough that I've been taken out of the world. I don't want to take you out of the world too, mm-hmm. you know? So, but it took me a long time to get there.
0: Yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. Because it was, I mean, uh, it was such, I don't, I, I mean, I was amazed that you could do it. And I mean, the first times that I saw you out in the world doing it, I mean, you were you and you were hilarious. And I just, you know, it, it, it made it, you know, funny and also very, very poignant to see you doing that because
1: it was, it was not easy and it was really scary and it was really scary up until, I went on stage to that special the one that and Bobcat Goldthwait directed it and until I did like the first 5 minutes and then I was in it then I'm like now I'm okay now I'm back yeah. and I can start to fight my way back but yeah, it took yeah. that long it was it yeah. was rough it was rough
0: Well where are you going from here I mean <laughs> I mean not from this this particular
1: uh, you know from well, this I, interview I, Well, but... I have to pee so I will be going to um there's a bathroom down the hall All right um, I don't know when this drops, my God. I have, um, you know, I'm at Just for Laughs this year hosting one of the galas. That'll be on oh, July nice. 29th. The following week. Here's what happens just the following for your... Just for Just Yeah. Um, on Friday, August 5th, my movie, I Love My Dad premieres in theaters. Uh, this is this little- Is that, that the week. one
0: you were talking about before?
1: Yes. Uh, yeah, that, okay. Uh, we took it to uh, South by Southwest, did really well. Uh, Now it's in theaters. Uh, On the same day, uh, the series The Sandman, which I'm a character in, debuts on Netflix. Uh, So that's coming up. And then at the end of the month, August 24th, my first uh, creator-owned, created-from-the-ground-up comic book that I did for Dark Horse comes out, Minor Threats. So that is also coming out. So uh, right now, this is the promo portion and then next month is oh everything's dropping so it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. That's nice. Yeah, yeah yeah.
0: Do you still do you pursue uh film and television product are you developing a lot of things for yourself? Is that something yes, that you do still I am yeah.
1: definitely there was a there's a show that well we were taking it to HBO Max and now it's back up in the air. I did that show Modoc, you know, a couple uh-huh. of years ago for right, Hulu right. and Marvel. Um yeah there are things that I'm developing but I'm also right now very fortunate to get to go be acting things, to be asked to be in things. So there's a big, huge show for Apple TV that I'm doing. That's me back and forth to Savannah shooting this. And then other stuff that I'm developing for myself, but it's an embryo and I don't want to talk about it yet. Right, sure. You know how that is. Do you you like being
0: number one on the call sheet or would you rather be lower?
1: uh, Oh, I like four and five is the sweet spot. I don't want to be number one. Right, right. No, 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 no. I want to be three or four or five. Too much pressure. Perfect. No, man, I don't. Don't make me carry this thing. I know, I know. Yeah. It's always- Let let Brian Brian Cox do that. God.
0: (laughs) The thing, too, about that is that, like, you also, too, then are like, you know, I'm using jargon here, but, like, you're laying all the pipe of the story. Yeah. You also, you're not just getting to be the wisecracker that's off to the side, you know. No. Or or the murderer or whatever, (laughs) you know, like. (laughs) Have you ever got to be the murderer? Uh. Yes. In any live action thing?
1: In, well, I mean, live action. Like, yeah, on, I was the murderer on um, uh, the the uh, Veronica Mars revival. I was the big oh, hidden nice. murderer in that. I was also the hidden bad guy in both of the Reno 911 movies. Oh, yeah. Uh, that was really fun. And then um, also in a little Quibi series, unfortunately, that didn't go past it because Quibi collapsed but right. it was called uh the, um the it, it's um Paula Pell's show. Oh my god, it's it's like her oh, why can not I think of the name? But basic the Maple, Mapleworth Murders. Uh, which was fucking hilarious.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, murdering is the best. Getting to murder people. I, Have I, you been I, a murderer in so things? I was on a I got to be a murderer on Monk. I, nice. Uh, I played a murderer on a on a on a Monk episode and it was really Really, I mean, I just, and it's something, too, that I feel like I could do pretty well. Like, I, yeah, you know, I'm always kind of cast as, like, the slightly dumb guy or, like, the friend, (laughs) you know? But it's, like, I always am kind of, like, let me have a crack at Dabney Coleman. Like, let me be a prick because I certainly have it in me. You know, I would really, (laughs) I'd really like to be a prick to somebody. Yeah. Um, But it's nice, yeah. And one thing I loved, like, when you were talking about Doing, uh, uh, you know, things that are just sort of experimental and what the fuck. The heart she holler is so like you doing that, that thing, thing is just so like I just I just love that you did that because that was a lot of work. Like there's I a love, lot of work
1: in that thing. I it's love not like Vernon, you. Just
0: went off for a day. You no, know?
1: no, that was intense makeup, special effects covered in goo. But I love Vernon Chapman and I love Mike Lee and and when they pitch that to me and they go basically we we want to do a Comedic version of of uh, Wisconsin Death Trip, which is one of my favorite yes. um, photo love those, books. My, love Michael that book. Michael yeah. Lessee, and I was like, uh, that, "Stop! I'm in. I don't. I'm in. Yeah, I don't yeah. care. I'm in." So yeah, one of the one of the best things I've ever done. I love that show.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's great. If you haven't seen it, check it out. It's Bob. Uh, you won't see anything weirder on television. No, you will not. You will not. You no. will not.
1: Um, 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 I I do need to pee. Okay. I think I'm gonna have to well, end this.
0: All right. Well, can I just, there is the final question, which is like, what have you learned? Like, what do you, you know, like you kind of said, you know,
1: I've, well, what I've learned, I've learned to if the more comfortable you are with actually not knowing everything and having to ask questions and learn new stuff from people and not have to win every encounter that you're in. um, You will have a much more adventurous, much more enriching life. Yeah. Rather than go, I've got to be the alpha here all the time. Right. Yeah Well thank you Patton Go pee I'm gonna go pee Yeah go pee Have a good and
0: Man that feeling When you really have to go <laughs> It's like oh, that, Those couple of minutes After that They should make a pill oh, I've always said They the should best. make a pill Of that feeling
1: Yeah post pee pill <laughs> Alright all right. I'm gonna stop recording And I will send you this Thing and And we'll be We'll be done
0: Alright And thank you all of you Out there for listening uh, I'll be back next week With more Three Questions I've got a big big love the Three Questions with Andy Richter is a Team Coco and Earwolf production. It is produced by Lane Gerbig, engineered by Marina Pais, and talent produced by Galitza Hayek. The associate producer is Jen Samples, supervising producer Aaron Blair, and executive producers Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Cody Fisher at Earwolf. Make sure to rate and review The Three Questions with Andy Richter on Apple Podcasts.
2: Can't you tell my loves are growing?